The following events are real events submitted by viewers and are read word for word as closely as possible in order to best tell the stories of their experiences. Viewer discretion is advised. Just about every one of us has felt the lingering and unsettling feeling from a suspicious stranger. We're taught from an early age that we shouldn't even talk with them, never mind trust them. But sometimes these strangers can swoop from the shadows in an instant, and lives can change drastically, and even sometimes end as a result. I used to live in a bad area of Boston before I moved two years ago to a safer area of the city. My mom always knew that we lived in a dangerous neighborhood and was rather overprotective of me as her daughter, never wanting me outside when the streetlights came on. When I started doing school sports in high school, my mom even advised that whenever I walked home to wear a hoodie, sag my pants, and walk like a boy so that the men on the street wouldn't think that I was a girl and try to force themselves on me. During my first year on the team, I was coming home from a game that ran unusually late into the night. I was used to getting rides home from a friend, but she was sick that day and was unable to make it to the game. It wasn't that cold out, so I wore yoga pants and a hoodless sweater. A wardrobe choice I sincerely regret. Mind you, I was 15 at the time, and the main streets that led to my house lacked any lights at all so I was already anxious about walking home. It wasn't until I actually crossed the street that I noticed a white van driving eerily close beside me. Having seen many episodes of Law & Order SVU, I was a little paranoid and decided to investigate whether or not I was really being followed. I bent down and faked tying my shoes to see if the van would stop, and it did. My heart began racing and the blood drained from my face. Nevertheless, I still wasn't quite sure that the white van was following me, so I started walking at a speed walk pace, faster than I had been walking before. To my horror, the van continued to drive next to me and matched my speed. Completely terrified at this point, I bolted down the sidewalk and ran as fast as my legs could carry me to my house. With the van close behind me, I took a left turn down the street before my own, and knowing that my street was a one-way, took a right turn onto my own street. Once I reached my house, I frantically searched for my keys so that I could open my front door. As my shaky hands finally grabbed them from the bag and got them into the door, I looked behind me and saw that the white van had driven past me. I quickly slammed the door shut and watched from a window as the van slowly pulled away from the curb. I thought that I'd never see the van again, but I was wrong. Skip to a couple weeks later, and I was waiting at a bus stop near my house to go to the gym. My experience with the white van had left me shaken, but I had tried to forget the entire ordeal. I was texting on my phone at the time when I heard loud commotion next to me. Two older men that were also waiting at the bus stop with me suddenly started shouting out curses and calling the police. I looked up from my phone screen just in time to catch a glimpse of what looked just like the white van that had followed me, now speeding past me. However, it wasn't the white van that caught my attention the most and made me feel nauseous. 
On the passenger side in the front seat was what looked like a young girl crying and banging on the window. I'm not completely sure if I saw what I saw, considering how fast the van zoomed past me. Sometimes I wonder if it was even the same van that followed me that one night. All I do know is that the men next to me also saw what I saw and called the police. I never did learn what happened after, because I immediately got up from the bus stop and walked back home, no longer in the mood to exercise. To this day, three years later, I still try to find news articles on that possible kidnapping in my neighborhood, to no avail. Even when I tell people this story now, they only believe the first half of me being followed and disregard the second half as an overactive imagination. Although I've seen many terrible things happen in that neighborhood, none of them have compared to me seeing that white van and thinking about how that could have been me. I could have gone missing, and no one would have known why. To this day, I thank God for protecting me from whatever disgusting and evil plans the van driver may very well have had in store for me that night. I was 14 years old when my story took place. I wasn't popular in high school, but I wasn't unpopular either. I guess you could say I was a pretty average kid, and no one really gave me too much of a second thought. I spent most of my time on social media, mainly Facebook. It became such an issue that at times I forget to do my homework and my parents would get angry with me. I didn't have the best relationship with my parents at the time, but luckily now it's gotten a bit better as I've gotten older. I used to have my friends listed in the bio of my Facebook page. I would give small shout-outs to them. One of my friends, who I will call Justine, was the closest of the group of friends that I had. When I look back on the fact that I did this, I think it's stupid, even though it's kind of an innocent thing from an outside perspective. I just had no idea at the time that all this information that I was putting out there would be used against me. One day after school, I was, of course, on Facebook, going through all the posts in my feed, and I got a friend request from Justine, which I felt was a little weird considering Justine and I had been friends on Facebook for a long time. But it was her name, and she had the same display photo, so I accepted the friend request and messaged her with a few question marks. She replied right away and said that she got locked out of her old account. She said she had to re-log in and had forgotten her password, but she also didn't have access to any of the backup ways to reset her password, like her email. So she made a new one until she could figure it out, but in the meantime she needed to talk to me right away. I believe the story, especially when she started to talk about the fact that her and her boyfriend at the time, who we'll call Ricky, were having problems, and she needed to talk to me because she was such a mess over it. We talked for only a few minutes and then she told me she wanted to meet up behind the library in the center of town, which was only like a five minute bike ride from each of our houses. I asked her why I couldn't just go over to her house or something, but she said that she didn't want any of our parents around. So I agreed, got ready, got on my bike, and went. Looking back on it, I should have been smarter, but the weird thing about it was that this new account spoke just like Justine but it turned out that it wasn't her. I rode my bike to the front of the library. The playground was out behind it. 
I figured that Justine definitely would have been there already because she told me that she was going to leave right away and to get ready as quickly as I could. Seeing that I took a little bit longer getting ready than I had planned, I expected to see her, but she wasn't there. Instead, there was a man in the playground standing by the slide. He was looking into it, and it looked like he was talking to somebody, like his kid maybe was at the top of the slide. I couldn't really see because the slide was one of those tubes that looped around a little. The man was looking into the slide and laughing, so I figured that his kid must have been in the slide. It was a little strange, though, because of how cold it was. It was November, and it was rare to see anyone at the playground during this time of the year. But I stopped my bike along the side of the building and tried to stay hidden because strangers had always freaked me out. Minutes ticked by until I waited like 15 minutes, and still Justine didn't show up. Every now and then I looked over at the man and I could see him looking around, and he eventually saw me and just stared for a minute, and then waved with a big smile. Then he went back to looking into the slide. I wondered why the kid hadn't just slid down yet. Overall, I just started to get a really weird feeling. So I got on my bike and left. I decided I would tell Justine I was sorry once I got home and ask what took her so long and tell her all about the creepy guy down there. Once I got to the end of the library parking lot in front of the building, I looked back and decided to just give one more check. So I rode my bike back down and stopped where I was before, just in time to see the man quickly hustling back to his car that was parked nearby. He got inside and drove away, without any kid. There wasn't any kid. My heart felt like it stopped and I just went right home. As soon as I got home, I sent a message to Justine's original account and asked her if she was getting my message. She responded about an hour later. After a short talk, she told me that the account that messaged me definitely wasn't her. She wasn't having any issues with Ricky. She couldn't believe what happened. Whoever that man was, to this day, I'm convinced, had had his eye on me for a while and used the information we had listed publicly to lure me to a spot where he could make a quick grab and do whatever he wanted to me. He just didn't count on me not riding right into the playground. My parents taught me better than that. Needless to say, I took all the personal info out of my Facebook and Justine did too. She even hid her relationship status. I haven't seen that man since, but I'm still paranoid about who I'm talking to. I'm convinced that if I had ridden my bike into the playground, that man would have kidnapped me and I probably wouldn't be here today. I still have no idea who he was, but I can easily say that my guard has always been up that point on. And if I can warn anyone with this story, it's be careful how much you share online. It sounds super obvious, but it may be a lot less for younger kids up against grown adults who know exactly how to target them. I'm one of the lucky ones. This happened last October when I was 18 and just started living alone in my apartment in a small Ohio town that I had never heard of before I moved there. I knew no one in this town or this part of the state, and I had only been at my job a few months and wasn't close with anyone yet. 
I was 18, a girl, and wholly alone. In the end of October, my brakes on my car went out, and the repairs were expected to take up to four days. I lived 30 to 40 minutes from my job and couldn't afford to miss those days at work. No one at work that I knew lived in the town I was in or was willing to give me a ride that far. So I texted my landlord, who was kind and fatherly, and I explained the situation. He offered to drive me, but last minute something came up and he said he'd have a friend from church drive me. I trusted him and his judgment of this friend. The friend, who I'll refer to as Nathan, came to pick me up in his Jeep at 6.20 a.m. as planned. This man was thin, late 30s, quiet and shy, had a bit of a stutter, and when he shook my hand, his hands were freakishly soft like a newborn baby, which weirded me out. The ride to work was okay. I was super grateful this stranger offered to help me. He asked a lot of prying questions, and I, thinking he just wanted to make sure this strange girl in his car wouldn't rob him, I answered them. But I was wrong. He dropped hints in the conversation that he was racist, devoutly religious, but I stayed cheerful and polite because I needed the ride and it seemed he needed the company. The ride home was abysmal. It was raining and he drove like a maniac, speeding, no windshield wipers down the highway. I thought we'd die. I couldn't see out the windshield, so I don't know how he could. I politely asked him if he thought he should use wipers, and thankfully he did. The questions from him then got dark. He asked if I had a boyfriend, if I went to church, if I liked dating, if I went to bars to meet men. I decided before ever meeting this man to pretend that I was religious and make a point to come across as virtuous. I told him no, I didn't have a boyfriend, I was too young to drink and hang out at bars, and I was just focusing on work. He told me he had a thing for women in trouble and started to play terrible music about it and even sang to me as we went. He told me he'd driven women home before and that he'd been screwed over by women many, many times. Alarm bells are going off in my head like crazy. I'm smiling and giving all the I understands and such and looking around the car. I noticed a lanyard with lots of work name badges. The guy was currently unemployed by his own words, so that perplexed me. The top name badge was for a hospital, as a janitor. This man was crazy religious, had said himself that he's the only true Christian in his church, picks up women all the time, and has worked in a hospital as a janitor, and likely knew how to clean up blood really well. I was and still am convinced to this day that if he's not a serial killer, He's on his way to becoming one. When we got back into town, he pressed me to go have coffee with him and kept saying he wanted to see my apartment. He said that he had helped my landlord renovate the apartments and wanted to see how they looked. I politely declined as he drove closer to my place. And then to my horror, he started driving away from my place. He drove me across town against my will to a McDonald's and I was utterly horrified. When I asked where we were going, he simply said it was a last-minute decision. I stayed calm and complacent, afraid to escalate the situation by telling him no. I didn't know how to get out. I didn't know if I could throw myself out of a car safely. I didn't know if he locked the doors. 
I was in a panic, but my face stayed calm. He ordered me a coffee and drove across town past my apartment again into Walmart and kept trying to get me to go inside with him. I don't know why, I just knew going into the store with him would be a bad idea. Once he was back in the car, he kept talking about weird things like having sex with his ex-girlfriend and how she initiated it and he liked that. I just kept pretending to be a virgin and implied that this wasn't a conversation I wanted to partake in and I needed to go home and feed my pets. He finally got the message and drove to my apartment, not without slowly circling it several times before stopping. He asked once more to come inside and I made up some excuse about how it was messy. I was so scared he'd try and kiss me or touch me with his baby soft hands, but he didn't thankfully. I waved goodbye and went inside, locked the door, and had a nervous breakdown on the floor. I was living alone, no family for hours away, no friends, nobody here knew me. I was the perfect victim. The next day I was terrified, and I needed the rides for three more days because I desperately needed the money. So, reluctantly, I got back in the car with him again. The next morning he picked me up, Keep in mind, it was still pitch black at 6 a.m. at this time. He drove the wrong way instead of towards work, out onto a country road. I was, of course, terrified all over again. I didn't know what he was going to do to me, wherever he was planning on bringing me. I didn't know if that would be the last place I'd be alive. I kept talking about my life and trying to humanize myself to him, all while wondering if I'd survive if I jumped out of a car going 60 miles per hour. I must have talked him down and he suddenly turned and drove the correct way to work and got me there, late but alive. I told my bosses the whole story, crying and petrified, and a manager from another department of the store happened to live in my town and offered to drive me home and back the rest of the three days. I really think I'm lucky to be alive. I never filed a report or told my landlord. I didn't think it would be taken seriously. Plus, he was his friend. All I can say is to always tell someone. And when it comes to uncomfortable or terrifying situations like this one that I was in, always go with your gut. Thank you for watching. Be sure to follow my Facebook fan page, and I'll see you next time. Thanks to all of you for your support. The Seriously Strange podcast is made possible due in part to contributions made by our listeners like you. So if you would like to keep the Seriously Strange podcast online and accessible, please consider pressing the link that says support the show in the description of any podcast episode. You can then choose your preferred way to donate and send a contribution our way because we can't do this without our listeners' support. If you decide to contribute, it's tremendously appreciated, and we thank you so much. We read every single message included with each contribution, so feel free to include your comments or even make a request for a future topic. Thanks for listening. We've got a lot more in store for you. Take care and enjoy your next episode.